Hi, this is uh, Mike Edelhart, and I'm here with another edition of Inception, our podcast about the beginnings of things, of new companies, new ideas in consumer products and science, uh, sometimes even a little glimpse of the future. And today uh, with uh, Nora Cavani, uh, I'm in San Francisco. Nora, I think you're in Sweden right now. Thanks for having me. Yes, I'm in Stockholm right now. So in Sweden, we're based a bit between Copenhagen and, and Stockholm. Get And you're kind of pan-European. I mean, it, I, I don't know if you're from Italy or, or not, but Italian schools, Spanish schools, uh, yes. Danish company, you've gotten around. Yeah, I've been a bit uh, all over the place. So I'm, I'm originally from Italy, from a very small town. And I really, um, I love traveling. I've been studying in Spain, in the US, then in Denmark. I was in Denmark for, I've been in Denmark for nine years and now in Stockholm as well. Got it. So, well, why don't we just start with the real fundamentals? So Alba Health is your company. What is it? What are you doing? And why, from your point of view, is it important and valuable? Yeah, no, great. So at Alba Health, we're on a mission to give every child the healthiest and best start in life based on microbiome science. And on the way, we're also aiming to collect very precious data for chronic disease prevention. And very concretely and practically, our first product is a gut microbiome test developed specifically for children. Uh, so think from newborns until four years old. And that's based on the insight that in the first years of life, we develop the fundamentals of optimal health or of health for the rest of life. So that's when we develop our immune system, our metabolism, our brain and cognition. And in, in that time, the gut microbiome is very, very important. And hundreds of studies have associated that with health risks, with chronic conditions, um, and with a lot of symptoms. Um, so to give you some examples, the gut microbiome in the first years of life is associated to symptoms that are extremely common, like constipation, colic, um, think that more than 50% of kids or, or of the newborns have at least one of these problems. But it's the gut microbiome is also associated to chronic conditions. So think of allergy, eczema, um, asthma, diabetes, obesity later in life. So that's that's the insight, um, right, that, that we're working with. And we're working a bit with a, with a short-term problem. So the here and now, the parents, they're experiencing these symptoms in, in their child. And uh, often these symptoms are unresolved and parents are left alone in this, but also in the long-term consequences on health. And our vision is really to be able to help people set up optimal health from birth. Got it. So you've got, uh, in some cases, a baby or at least a child here. What kind of test is this? Are you collecting poop? Are you, you know, uh, sticking something somewhere that folks might be concerned that, uh-oh, I don't want my baby interacted with that way or what? Nothing like that. So it's it's a non-invasive test. Um, and it's yes, it's from poop. So parents can collect a small amount from a, di from a diaper. Uh, they put it in a tube. We send an entire kit at home. So it's a test that you can do at home. And then they send the sample back to our lab. And what we do is that we extract microbial DNA. So the DNA of all microbes, bacteria, viruses, fungi, and, and then we sequence that. 
And from that sequence, from the entire microbial DNA, we're able to construct which microorganisms are there and what they're doing, which genes they're using. And that gives very important information that is linked to health. So what are you using for a reference here? So you got child X in front of you. Uh, Edelhart Jr. is there squirming away. And you've got a lot of information from that sample. What are you comparing it to? And, and where does that data come from? And how do you know that this particular sequence is more likely to contribute to colic or ADHD early on or, or anything else? Yeah, that's a great question. So we've started out with public databases. The gut microbiome in these first years of life is extremely studied. So there, there's a lot of studies out there on that. But also we have established a research collaboration with one of the largest data sets in the world on this. Um, that's done by the University of Helsinki in Finland. And there they have followed 1,000 children for six years. Uh, so they have 10,000 microbiome samples from this from these newborns and children. They have more than 50,000 data points on their lifestyle and their health. And although it's important to say that because of GDPR, we're not working directly on the data, we're working with them on the insights that are coming from the study. So that's those are two very important things. We're also launching our own study. And to our knowledge, that will be the biggest company-led right. study on, on this and building on all of these learnings from, from the cohort studies that we work with. Got it. And uh, so you're dealing with babies and children here. So who's actually the customers at the parents? Are you saying to parents, you should know this right from the beginning? Are you saying to doctors and hospitals and researchers, you should tell the parents when they come in with the crying colicky child, this is something they should do? How does all that work? We're starting out with parents directly. And of course, our aim is to get to the medical side and be able to prove the clinical relevance also of our product and, and go to doctors and, and GPs. But very often, as you know, in digital health, you need to start a bit from the consumer side and solving a problem from parents, so a bit more on the well-being side while collecting data to then transition to, to the medical side. Got it. So how do you see this playing out as a company? So you could say this is something the EU should be doing because it's good for European babies or the Danish government should be doing. You're a private company. So how does it work in the context of being a private company? Why do you think, uh, how do you think you're going to make money? Why do you think you're going to make money and uh, through that become an asset of value? We've seen incredible interest by parents just privately uh, looking into this because parents with a with a young child or the, with a newborn have a lot of these issues. Um, so as I mentioned, more than 50% have gut symptoms. And very often these are not resolved. So they go to the doctor. The doctor says, yeah, your child is crying a lot, has maybe this discomfort, but they're growing okay. Most of the time the doctors look at whether the child is growing um, in terms of weight and height, and that's it. Uh, so there is a bit this gap between you know, what the doctor looks at, and then the personal experience. And then often parents go to maybe to Facebook groups and and, right. and to online channels, right, to, to try to find information. So there's a bit of a gap. There hasn't been a lot of innovation in this field. And a lot of parents are looking for solutions and are, are interested, and they know about the connection between gut health and, and these symptoms. 
Um, so that's that's how we're starting. And then, of course, moving to more the medical side and reimbursement is of great interest. There's also a lot of grants and a lot of focus from, for example, the European Union on this topic. Got it. So how are you finding uh, parents now getting the duty nurse to whisper in mother's ears, you better get this test quick or traditional marketing or what? What we've found now is that it's quite easy to to reach our target customers through other companies um, that operate in the same domain. For example, here in Sweden, the majority, more than 90% of parents used a certain app during pregnancy to see, you know, those apps that tell you the baby's like right. an avocado and right. so forth. Uh, so what we did is that we mapped out similar companies along the parent journey and companies that have the same kind of view and, and are similar to us, right? And that both helps us to uh, get credibility and recognition, uh, but also to target um, and to, to reach parents directly. So where are you at this point? So are you testing it? Are you going full bore in Scandinavia or European wide? What are the current plans? Uh, yeah, so we've already started processing samples and testing with users before the summer. So we have our entire uh, pipeline and sequencing pipeline, bioinformatics pipeline set up. Um, and we're already testing with uh, with the first pool of users. And then our the big thing for us is that we're launching this data collection study in the fall, and that will be in Sweden. And the reason why that's very important is because we're going to collect samples longitudinally, which means with a follow-up, so mm-hmm. over time. And that's also why in this field, um, it. What is very interesting is that we're not only comparing to a certain population, to the general population, but we're comparing to people that we follow over time and we know how they develop and whether they develop a condition right. or what they feel better. Right. So that's that's a big thing. And uh, we're, we're preparing for this study, which will be very likely the, the biggest of this kind led by a company. And we're going to do it together with universities as well. Got it. Pretty exciting stuff. So worldwide at some point or right now just Europe and you'll worry about the rest of the world when you get there? And and are there differences between European babies, American babies, Asian babies on these things? Does anybody know at this point? Yeah, no, great, great question. Definitely worldwide. Uh, for now, we're in Europe because we're based here, but UK and US are important markets. In terms of the gut microbiome, yes, the, the gut microbiome changes uh, by geography, especially due to diet. However, uh, what we've seen is that the patterns we look at are very similar between different geographies. There's a lot of studies that show that the basic patterns that we look at are consistent even in in other continents. So that's where we start. And then of course, there is a part of the microbiome that is very, very variable and even personal, Uh, but that's not where where we focus our attention. So we really believe that what we're doing and the basics of our model is transposable to other geographies as well. Got it. Interesting. So if you don't mind, this is sort of a devil's advocate question. So you're saying to parents, your child has or may have an issue. You're not saying to parents, and we have the solution. You're presenting them the problem without letting them know directly what to do about it. Is that good news for the parents? Should they be happy to know, you know, forego sleep forever. Your child is going to be colicky. The microbiome indicates it too bad for you. So where does the solution come in for you or come from? Uh, 
How do you see that relating to what the company does? That's a really important question. And yes, we're also providing the recommendation and the solution part, right? So what we provide is one, an insight and education and sort of understanding of how things are are working and whether there is an imbalance. We don't like to call it problem, but more perhaps disruption. And then number two, we help on rebalancing things based on established science. So for example, you have a certain disruption that has been shown to be associated to, to certain symptoms. That's number one. And then number two, we know the certain disruption in, in the microbiome can be mitigated or changed with certain steps. And we're talking about li- uh, lifestyle, we're talking about diet, we're talking about potentially probiotics, uh, so not medical interventions. So that's the, the starting point. Our ambition is also really to do studies, to collect evidence also on the recommendation side of things, because that's that's really the core of what we want to provide, the full solution, the insight and the recommendation. Understood. When we were chatting before we went live, you said you had some questions for me. What were your questions? Right. Yes. No, I'm really curious. I mean, you have a very, very impressive background and I'm sure you've seen a lot of companies. So I wanted to ask you, what do you think are the key ingredients for a successful, innovative company in the very early stages? I'm really curious. Sure. Well, one is to be in a great market. So we look at that a lot. And this is a pretty good example. It's a fundamental new area of science whose impacts appear to be dramatic and wide ranging, and it's not well understood and extraordinary new approaches that help people and their children, et cetera, could come from this. So we're very interested in that. And you're talking about potentially your company producing the largest data sets related to infant and child microbiome in history. And that's a really interesting asset, sort of like 23andMe has produced a new kind of interesting asset. And so that's one. I think given that, it's a great market. The second for us is the recognition that... Historically speaking, almost everything you believed when you started the company will turn out in one way or another to be wrong. Uh, The way it gets used will be wrong. The way parents react will be wrong. The way the medical community responds to it, it's all wrong. It's always wrong. The world is more complex than any small group of folks' analysis of it. So the second factor is how the team actually responds to the recognition that the world is teaching us what they want from us. We're showing them possibilities, but they're also showing us real world responses and attitudes and stuff. So that process of adjustment we found is the key thing. So if the team is too much, we're right. We know we're right. We've always been right. We always will be right. Rest of the world, you're wrong. That's not a success mode. And at the other extreme, it's parent A says go left, parent B says go right, hospital X says do this, hospital Y says do that. We don't have any fundamental belief. We'll do what anybody wants us to do. That company also will tend to fail because it exhausts itself trying to please everybody. So somewhere in the middle is a always believing, always changing kind of approach that we see strongly in the companies that produce the most uh, value. The third, you know, your scientific by background, but 
not like a super famous professor or something, but your co-founder is kind of a super famous professor or something. So super famous professors are academics. So they tend to view the world academically. And so the third thing is to keep in mind, this is a company. It has to make money. If it's going to create value in one form or another, it has to find a way to get big. There's all kinds of value in good works, but not for a venture capital fund and not for an entrepreneur in terms of producing a, a personal or investment outcome. And uh, there's all kinds of value in small businesses. Almost all the businesses on earth are small businesses. Small businesses also aren't particularly venture interesting and and don't represent taking on a big opportunity and doing something with it. So keep in mind and always be focused on, we have to be a big business. We're here to be a big business. How do we do the things that become a big business? And then last but not least, be cheap. You're seeing a lot of companies now are like, the money's there, the money will always be there. When I need money, I just have to reach out into the market and somebody's going to value me extremely highly and give me a lot of money. And the minute it's gone, as it is, has been for most of this year, those companies are in trouble. They have addicted themselves to spending. They have overhired. So uh, rein it back. Substitute imagination for money. Don't spend anything you don't have to spend. Let the complexity and scale of the future emerge from what you're actually doing. Um, and don't get too far over your skis. So those are the things that we see. And the companies that in our portfolios that are most valuable all seem to behave that way. And we hope and look for in uh, our conversations with entrepreneurs those kinds of characteristics. So we invested in you in part because we think you're that kind of person. And um, and we'll be looking for and trying to help you with those kinds of responses in the months ahead. These are great reflections. Really happy I asked you this question. I knew I was going to get away some some really good input. It's intriguing out here. You know, I live in San Francisco and I'm in the middle of a venture culture out here that actually, well, it sometimes says these things, but it doesn't actually act like it believes these things. And so it's a little strange for me to be here because if you look at the history of successful companies, it really isn't any of that stuff that goes into the TV shows or movies or Shark Tank, the swaggering you know, bro, it has zero correlation to success. In fact, to some degree, negative correlation to success because it produces dangerous behavior. So if you're skiing black diamonds and you're not ready, you may make it to the bottom, but you put yourself at more risk than you needed to because you really are exposing yourself to things you're not prepared for. And and we see you know, those behaviors is not good. We're looking for much more under control, rational, thoughtful, mm -hmm longer term behaviors in our CEOs. Fantastic. And what do you think about the microbiome landscape? I know you invest a lot in the microbiome field. We do. The, you know, this is a this has been a particularly interesting period the last decade or so in that we're seeing fundamental breakthroughs in a range of areas in science that's unprecedented. Miniaturization and AIs and all kinds of different approaches, new materials, you name it. So that's pretty extraordinary as it is. And we're also seeing on the human side, very strong emergence of, I'm part of this, doctor, I'm part of this company. Don't you keep telling me things. We have to work this out together. And that's a, a period, opens up a period of extraordinary change. 
So if you take this, for example, go back 20 years, everything related to my baby, I only do what the doctor tells me to do. And the doctor wasn't trained on the microbiome when he or she went through medical school 20 years ago. So it does. And now much more parents are like, we're in charge. And so when you see extraordinary breakthroughs in science and this kind of agency-oriented attitude in people, that's the raw material for explosive change in our view. And this is one. So, you know, this wasn't even an area of science. You go back, what, 10, 15 years, there were no courses in microbiome anything or degrees. Folks are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then attitude shifted. Now there's this sense, you know, the more radical view is that human beings exist as bags to carry the microbiome from one generation to the next. Is it that important? Is it that central? It sure is complex. So great big new area of science, extraordinary potential range of impacts, a lot of human beings saying, help me figure things out. Uh, And so we see a remarkable potential here, but really nobody knows. Nobody knows entirely how the microbiome works, you know, fully in all areas, pre, post microbiome factors, secondary factors that impact these things. So we think there's going to be a lot of learning and a lot of change, but it seems quite fundamental. Completely agree. And really agree on the fact that people really want solutions. And especially there's been problems that have been unresolved for a really long time. That's number one, but also we really believe that uh, the microbiome could really revolutionize medicine in a fundamental way. Uh, But given it's so variable, there's so much variability between people, we really need to collect maybe tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands samples, right? And no company would be able to just sponsor it or no university would be able to sponsor it. So we have an incredible opportunity um, to do that with citizen science and build a business model that collects data and allows people to contribute to research. So that's that's actually one of, of the things that people really want to embark on. They want to get a solution, but they also want to be part of a movement that is going to improve health for future generations. Maybe yep. they're going to get a solution for their next child or or their grandchild, right? So that's that's an incredible opportunity. Yeah, that's exactly how we see it. But we recognize we don't know how it's going to come out. There's a lot that's going to be learned here. So in that vein, what do you hope or expect is going to happen next to the company? So if we get together a year from now to talk, uh, what are you going to be doing? What's the company going to be uh, uh, doing? What's going to happen in the months ahead? The key thing for us is really to nail down what is the value that we bring and to what customer, what you would call product market fit, right? Um, So for us, it's really, really important to bring very significant value to a population or or for a certain problem, right? So that's what we're iterating on, really figuring out what's the value, what, what are people getting out of this? And are we helping more the parent with a child with colic or with constipation or with another problem? And what kind of person that is. So that's the main thing that we're iterating on. Um, and that's going to be our focus. I think we have a bit of a positive challenge in the sense that we have a lot of opportunities. Uh, so our challenge will also be to be very focused, focus on, on specific niches and specific problems. Got it. Yeah. And it could turn out one of those things that's surprising is that parents are actually seeking the clean slate. My baby's good. Yeah. 
And then they'll start the longitudinal stuff as they'll be tracking along to see, uh-oh, yeah. stress, uh-oh, just as the point, you know, because children change constantly. So my baby was good and my two-year-old, yeah. And, uh, you know, and then if you don't react to that, maybe it'll start compounding. And if you do react to it early, you know, all those kinds of things, who knows? So we should do that. We should talk again in a year, see how things are going. And uh, if anybody's listening to this and is saying, I want to get my baby into this, can they get their baby into this? Uh, go to the website or do they have to wait a little while till you get through these studies or what? Yes, they can get on the wait list. Uh, so if they go to our website, albahealth.co, they're able to sign up, be on the wait list, and we're going to start a study soon. Uh, so we're going to reach out to all the people in the wait list. But then we're also opening beta testing for selected users. So definitely you can sign up on, on our wait list on our website. Sounds great. We'll uh, leave it there. Folks can go sign up if they want, and we'll get back together soon and see how things are going. Uh can't wait to see what happens next and delighted to be investors uh, in you and the company. Great. And so happy to have you guys at Joyance on board and looking forward to our next chat. Yep. Same here. Hopefully I'll get over there at some point soon. That would be great. <laughs>